Hello again, my crispy cousins, and welcome back to another episode of Oh God It Burns, your buyer's guide to bad comics. Without a doubt, Frank Miller wrote two of the most influential comics of all time when he dropped Batman Year One and Dark Knight Returns barely within a year of one another. It was an amazing time, made even more amazing by the fact that in those same years, we saw the release of Alan Moore's Watchmen, Art Spiegelman's Mouse, J.M. DeMatteis' Spider-Man Craven's Last Hunt, and oh, uh, what's this? Oh yeah. That's just some other Frank Miller comic called Daredevil Born Again. Yeah, no biggie. All of these comics were collectively responsible for legitimizing the medium of comics as a genuine literary art form. And I don't know if you were keeping count, but out of those six stories I mentioned above, our boy Frankie accounted for 50% of them. So when I say that 1986 showcased Frank Miller in his prime, understand that this man was almost single-handedly responsible for changing the industry for the better and also for the worse. 2001's Dark Knight Strikes Again definitely falls into the worst category, and it does so in what has become one of the most psychologically tortured, erratic, and drug-fueled journeys into misery ever published. And we owe it all to Osama Bin Laden. If Bane broke the bat, it was 9-11 that broke the Frank. And for anybody who has dared to endure this book to the last page, it is evident that this series is a masterwork in creative self-destruction and one that is an absolutely essential addition to your coveted long box of cursed and forbidden comics. Not only for how it so thoroughly disgraces its predecessor on the surface, but also for how it stands as a heart-wrenching metaphor for how the great indomitable American spirit was emotionally shattered in the face of such real-world existential evil. Bruno and I cover all the bases and leave no stone unturned as we agonize over Frank Miller's Dark Knight Strikes Again on this week's episode of Oh God It Burns. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Oh God It Burns. This is a podcast about bad comics and the bad boys who love them. I'm Bad Boy Nick. I'm Bad Boy Bruno. And today we're going to be following up with Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight Legacy, his sequels to the whole thing, uh, with his actual sequel to The Dark Knight Returns, The Dark Knight Strikes Again. It didn't, though. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I mean, it did, but not in the right way. It's like a crotch shot to all things It struck a lot of people's wallets before they were like, Hey, is this even the same son of a bitch who wrote the first one? But yeah, so last time we looked at All-Star Batman and Robin, which chronologically, like if we're looking at uh, Frank's bibliography, is not... The follow-up to it. I mean, it kind of fits somewhere in the middle of it. Actually, yeah. when it came out, it was kind of on the fence whether or not it fit in or not. But the later on, they were like, it totally fits, and they never finished the story because Jim Lee was just like, Frank Miller's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, I don't think he's recovered. That, that man scares me. Yeah, that man scares me. And right now, we're going to be reading the series that kind of broke the Frank. Like, we talk about breaking the bat so much. There, this series was the series that broke the Frank. But, and then Frank responded in turn by breaking the bat. This is Dark Knight Strikes Again, issues number one through three, released back in 2001. Now, uh, what? That year sounds pretty uh-huh. familiar. Like I feel, I feel like a weird sense of dread every time 2001 comes up. Bruno, do you feel the same way? <coughs> I definitely do. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, and not because of the movie. no no you won't find any like weird monkeys and black obelisks no we're talking about the real life 2001 which uh actually holds a really really uh part for me because uh i was right across the bridge from where it happened i saw it were you classroom yeah i thought you lived in jersey were you that close i I lived was jersey basically i I lived in elizabeth right we had a plain view of the gothels bridge and the skyline is was oh shoot i I was in my algebra class and i had a clear view in fact they rushed in and told us to like turn on tv and i'm like why are they telling us to turn on tv and then it looked like we're watching like one of those really bad like like disaster movies i'm like why would they put on them and then we realize like you see the banners like news coverage and then everybody runs to the window and you see it so we saw plane one on tv Point two in real like happening out of our window. Oh shit! So yeah, like that. I didn't even know how many of my people had connections to, um, 
to that particular event and to like the Twin Towers. And the irony of it all was that's where I used to skate. So I actually was planning on cutting school oh, <laughs> and just hanging out in my skate spot. And none of my friends showed up. So I decided to like bail and just go to class and flirt with some girls. And that kind of saved my life, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you decided to do the responsible thing and stay in school and not be a fool. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that, that, that was definitely uh a sour point so i could see how it could break somebody uh and it definitely told it took its toll on mr miller over here yeah like he hasn't been the same since um thankfully uh there has been some uptake as long as it's filtered but yeah the, the mind of mr miller has gone yeah <laughs> it, it kind of and you almost saw it like split in the middle of the series because the first issue that we're going to talk about like the whole plot and everything the first issue is like really really strong yeah. it has some great ideas and it has a coherent plot to it you know the way i, I could describe it and it's funny because we jokingly refer to this as miller time yeah. but it's like those miller time commercials where like the dude walks in and he's drinking and he's like yeah party and like that's great except then it's like the real life version of that yeah. like after the camera's <laughs> off and the guy's like yeah, it's just like falling all over the place because he's done like 60 takes and he's drinking the beer each time what is it the guy who like he pre-games so he's super fun by the time he gets there but he has two more shots he's like yeah. <laughs> he pukes on his balls <laughs> and just like walks over he's like here I'm gonna turn on the grill sets himself and like two other people on fire like that's that's kind of what happened like it started off it's like oh my god the miller guy is here oh my god the miller guy is here he's (laughs) (laughs) self-immolating what is happening you haven't had a real fucking party till you lit yourself on fire he just takes a propane tank and bites into it (laughs) like an apple oh my god (laughs) that's actually not far from where we're going with the next sun (laughs) But let's stick to uh, The Dark Knight Strikes again, where he Rochambeau's you right in the crotch. Yeah. So, uh, just like you, you were living really, really close to it. Actually, yeah. Frank Miller, from what I uh, did some research on this one, because I remember him distinctly talking about it, and I, I believe it was in uh, either one of the documentaries or behind-the-scenes things where they were talking like uh, Batman Begins, because it's about the time that Batman Begins came out. Yeah. And it was a huge, huge movie, and there was lots of excitement for it. And then they talked to Frank Miller because he, of course, did Batman Year One, which was a huge inspiration for that movie. And then he was kind of sitting there, and I remember very distinctly him saying, I can't remember if it's actually in this one or, like, another thing that he said, but he was just like, yeah, like, I did Batman. Like, he's totally badass. He goes out, counterterrorism measures. Then all of a sudden, like, you don't know what the feeling was when I'm sitting there and I'm drawing all this stuff going on, Dark Knight Strikes Again. It's like, all of a sudden, in the middle of this, he starts going into almost an apology for Dark Knight Strikes Again. Where he's just like, and I just finished drawing this uh, this spread in issue number two, where the Batmobile flies through LexCorp yeah. and like destroys the building. And then not too far after that, planes fly into the World Trade Center. And he yeah. said it just messed him up big time. And I also remember, uh, just recently I went back and started looking at some... Uh, was it uh, some some articles that were written on? It. I think it was Gizmodo or Gawker or whatever. They had a quote from Lynn Varley, who at the time was his wife, and she was just like, you know, something really really happened to Frank when the towers went down. Like he's always had a little bit of a drug problem, but after the towers went, and this is after they just moved back to New York City from yeah. being in uh, uh, Los Angeles trying to sell movies in Hollywood. They just moved back. Then all this stuff happened. Like, something happened with Frank. We went off the deep end. His marriage suffered. They broke up and everything. And this is basically, like, you can see this man's mind crumbling in ways that you've almost never seen a man's mind crumble before. Mm -hmm. Because up until now, like, a lot of stuff he's written, it was very poetic. Didn't really have too much of, like, plot heavy. Mm -hmm. It was always very narration, very character focused. And when they get there, they get there. But it's all about the internal struggles and overcoming it. And not everything is supposed to be taken literally in a Frank Miller comic. But then here it's like, if you already had that structure of something that you can't really trust what you see with your eyes. And then you add the trauma on top of that. Then you get what we get in Dark Knight Strikes Again. So, Bruno, would you like to go ahead and uh, kick off one of these very, very many plot points that we have? I guess we're going to start off with the whole Lex Luthor and Brainiac thing because there are about five different plots that run through this one. Um, Yeah, it, it 
as the issues run on, it's kind of hard to see. It's like just too many balls juggling in the air, and a lot of the plot points suffer for it. The main plot point, um, picking up um, where uh, the Dark Knight Returns left off, uh, Batman has been in hiatus, and he comes back uh, with his new army, the Sons of the Bat, and they start doing calculated strike. And what they're doing is um, they're breaking out all these superheroes who have essentially uh, been captured and been brain like uh, been held hostage and blackmailed by a combination of Lex Luthor and Brainiacs. Um, and what they've done is Lex Luthor and Brainiac, smartly enough, have put a puppet leader, like a digital president. Yeah, and it's really cool, too, in that first issue where every once in a while you see, like, a blip, and they say, hey, hey, hey let's go ahead and rewind that. It's like, I, see, he's not a real person. I told you. But they're like, oh, no, just technical difficulties. But it's clearly, like, the person starts pixelating, just like the old school, like, TV uh, used to do. And like Max Headroom-ish. Yeah. So that was the thing, is that um, Brainiac was, was uh, basically had all these heroes on lockdown and Lex Luthor was pulling the strings and together they were running the uh, the free world essentially with this fake president and you had like the flash was used to power up the um, generators for like the eastern seaboard so yeah. all the power was generated by the flash just running the atom was trapped in a petri dish which was probably one of the coolest yeah, uh, visuals and, and like, sequences in this entire like even series. the storyline, and then when it, like when you finally came out, and you're like, oh wow, that makes perfect sense. Uh, the only one that was out there was like, uh, which we'll get to a bit later, was Martian Manhunter. He was just kind of well, Martian Manhunter shows up and he talks like Ben Grimm. He looks like Ben Grimm. Too. He looks like, like Ben Grimm. Is like, he even chomping a stogie or something? Like, like yeah, like and he's, he's wearing like the Yancey Street like get up with a detective. Like he went in the from fedora. being like Detective John Jones to just being like Marv from like Sin City. Yeah, but like like that's a fancy coat kind of like level. So it's like, where did that character like? What would progress that evolution of the character? Why wouldn't he just still be like a cop? Instead of him being like a really objective thinking cop, he's like found his humanity, and his humanity was in a humidor, yeah. <laughs> where he just spent the rest of his time just ripping on old people and drinking scotch. And one thing that this did do well is it added up why um, Superman was so keen on fighting Batman, the first in the in the Dark Knight Returns, and you find out that the reason that he's willing to go up against his friend and everything uh, wasn't because like the way it was portrayed in the dark knight where he was like you don't know what you're doing and you thought it was because he was like you know ruined, like uprising the civilians and destroying the national order but you actually find out that the reason that he's essentially maintaining the status quo is he doesn't have a choice uh with his wife gone and his relationship his new relationship which we'll get to later kept the secret the only link that he had left to himself after they blew up the uh, fortress of solitude was Kandor, and Kandor had been captured by Brainiac, and for funsies, whenever, like, Brainiac got, like, uh, felt like Superman was getting out of line, or just to remind him, he would, like, pick one of the, like, bloodlines and just kill them. Yeah. Because they're essentially in a shrunken bottle, and he could just turn on a laser and kill, like, and wipe an entire bloodline of Kryptonians out, and of course, you know, knowing that you're the last of them, that just kept breaking Superman's heart, so he couldn't dare go out of line, because he'd know he'd be the last Kryptonian for real. So he just towed the line and hoped that Brainiac would leave him alone. Although Brainiac definitely admitted that he just messed with them for no reason. Yeah. So, like, he didn't care, and eventually he would have probably killed them all anyway. Because he's a, he's a psychopath. Yeah, he and is. also, like, he's working with Lex Luthor, which, this is a very strange a, choice yeah. for Lex Luthor. Because he, he's as huge as the Kingpin. Yeah. He's a big and fat guy. He's very grotesque, too. Like, almost like the mole people arc from, like, uh, the old Daredevil comics. Yeah. Where they had, like, the groats and the pustules and stuff on him. Yeah. But he's always, like, shirtless in his underwear. Like, and it it doesn't seem like Lex Luthor. As soon as they said it was Lex Luthor, I was just like, how? Is it just because he's bald? Yeah, like, um, it was definitely an odd character. Not the Brainiac-Luthor team-up. I mean, that's been a staple yeah. of, like both the comics and the animated show so they made sense but to have Lex Luthor essentially just 
and this is the part, like, he didn't take top billing. He, he literally sat by the wayside and was just, like, enjoying all these heroes' miseries, but not doing anything to, like, gain from it. He just kind of sat around. It's like Well, he was the one that was really pulling the strings on the with government the, side. Uh, the government but, side. So he was, like, running the government, but then he also, like, dropped his suit and he was just a fat, naked guy. But, like, this is the same guy that at one point ran, from pre- ran for president just to piss Superman off. Yeah. So to see him just be like, it's okay, I'll put this puppet guy in charge and not take any credit and to let himself go like that was very... Anti-Lex Luthor. But then this is also in a separate timeline and everything. Like a lot, I think feel like a lot of the 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 things we talk about, like Lex Luthor's characterization here. Like I still think him being the head of something and him being a mastermind behind something that very much to me fits with Lex Luthor. No, that part does where he runs the government and it's just the way that he runs it. Like he would be living his best life. He wouldn't be like shirtless guy in underwear living in like a shack somewhere because they never stated that he was like living in the lap of luxury he always looked like the area around him looked like he was living in some like apartment somewhere like unbeknownst to everybody yeah it's, it's like every time frank miller sat down he couldn't quite figure out how to draw lex luther so he looked back at how david mazzucchelli drew kingpin yeah. like in his underwear beating up ninjas <laughs> and that was so, it and he was just like oh yeah that was fucking cool let's go ahead and turn lex luthor into the kingpin because basically if we were doing a one-to-one comparison like, Lex Luthor and the Kingpin are not too far off. It's like, he's basically if the Kingpin had Norman Osborn level of influence. I mean, that's fair, but even, like, the Kingpin, like, he was in his underwear, yeah, beating up ninjas, but then that's because he got all sweaty. Then he puts on a suit, and he goes and he runs his business. Yeah. But the fact is, we never got to see that side He'd take of... a shower, Wesley would be standing right next to him, in fact, like, like, Wesley, clean my balls. Other than, like, him saying, like, narrating exactly what the other characters were gonna do, like, the president and stuff... We never actually got to see how he was pulling the strings. Yeah. But, so, I mean, like, it, it's cool that everything was set up. Like, we were yeah. kind of dropped in in media res. Uh, we don't see Batman until the end of this. We just right. see Carrie Kelly kind of fo- carrying out all of the orders that he's got. And she's going around. She's she's kicking ass. If there's okay. one thing that Frank Miller does right, it's that establishes that Carrie Kelly is a force to be reckoned with. I agree with that, but I also have a problem with her characterization. What? All right. So, in the first one, in Dark Knight Returns, she was essentially took over the mantle of Robin. And I'm all good with that, because I was like, that was a great, like, you know, legacy first female Robin. Awesome. Then she came into her own and got comfortable. You'd think she'd take on a different role or her own role. She takes on the role of Catwoman. You kind of see a problem with that, right? (laughs) She takes on the costume... I mean, not necessarily, like, a direct costume of Catwoman, but... Yeah, she's got, like, leopard spots or cheetah spots. Like, but she takes on the role of Catwoman, which is notoriously known for being Batman's paramour. And it gets, like, a really weird Electra complex going on yeah. there. Like, and that's that's where it kind of lost me. Don't get me wrong, I like the visual and I like that, but, like, I just found it weird that she would grow into the Catwoman, like... The, and even Batman wouldn't be like, that's weird, like, change your name or something. No, no, I really like the visuals. I can see where you would be like, Batman's kind of creepy. I was like, I used to have sex with this cat, like, all the time. But like, I was like, run around just as cat, and I mean, like, did not she of age yet, so I gotta Did she make her own costume, or was like, I made this for Selena, but she never wore it, so here. Or maybe it was just one of Selena's old costumes. Like, you never know, because it was established in the last crusade that Selena did hang it up before yeah. Bruce did, and she's been kind of wanting Bruce to hang it up before that, and now Bruce is kind of going under and letting Carrie Kelly kind of take over a little bit. But I really do like it. I like the, the rollerblades, no, no, the I whole aspect of that, I, I like mean, how swift she is, and how, like, Frank Miller for how off-the-wall fucking crazy he gets with his drawings later on. He always seems to have a good sense of who Carrie Kelly is in this yeah. one, especially the cat girl or whatever her name is established in this one. And she always looks very fluid and energetic. And it's just like she's brimming off the page. And even in this first issue, she's definitely, Lynn Varley has good colors. She's definitely the spotlight character for the series. In fact, I think a little bit more time with her uh, and framing it through her would have been a lot better because one of the problems that we had later on is like, who the hell's talking? Yeah, we could never figure out who <laughs> except it was. when it's Kelly. Uh, except when it's Carrie Kelly. Like then you kind of understand because she has that like mentality of like I can do this. I can do this. Like doesn't matter, but I'm gonna do this. So and she also got like really cool Frank Miller street lingo. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like you're like no one talks like this except for Frank Miller street kids. Yeah. Like the only people that talk like that are Frank Miller street kids, which basically is like the jive that Brian Azzarello picked up on. When he was doing or back at Fort Tomorrow. Like, 
everything that he writes as far as like puns and stuff really come from this whole Carrie Kelly uh, style of writing. Yeah. But yeah, so we see this whole siege and Batman's releasing them. We see that Barry Allen is powering the entire United States as Flash and no one cares because they're getting cheap energy. Yeah. Uh, there's a puppet president, but who cares? Cause we're okay. Yeah. And it's just like this weird, like era of complacency in American government, uh, which is also super strange that he chose to focus on this, like around nine 11, because that's when the Patriot act was passed and everything we start seeing steps towards this happening. So yeah. it's like Frank Miller kind of had a really good idea of what, like his hand on the pulse of what was going on in like politics and society and everything is going into it. And then at the end we see, that Batman's really setting this whole thing up to bait Superman out. Yep. Which was probably my favorite beatdown of Superman, even more so than the original Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. It was at the end of Dark Knight Strikes Back. Superman comes out and is like, you don't understand. Like, I've been negotiating this whole thing. You're blowing up my negotiations. Like, nothing's working. So he's just like, you know also doesn't work? I was like, what? You fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> He shoots a bunch of bombs at him. He blows up and he's like, you old piece of shit. And he comes out and he's wearing... The first time we see Bruce Wayne in this whole thing, it's like the last five pages of the Dark Knight Strikes again. He's got gauntlets made of kryptonite. He's like, out of this, bitch. <laughs> he's just smacking him mercilessly. I, I will say, Frank Miller writes the hell out of Bat Frat Boy. <laughs> frat Bat. Actually, I don't think he talked like that in this one, but I'm still writing high... <laughs> <laughs> the only characterization I have of Batman right now is Frat Bat from All Star Bat, <laughs> Rob of the Boy Wonder. Where he's like, yeah. <laughs> "That's it." <laughs> then he like teabags him at the end. He's like, "In <laughs> <laughs> Chapter One, bitch, <laughs> pick up book two on sale in like seven fucking months." <laughs> but. It, like, the first book is such a worthy successor. Aside from, like, the weirdness with Lex Luthor, is such a worthy successor to it. Now, the colors by Lynn Varley were a different thing altogether. Like, I guess this is, like, one of the first comics that were colored using digital comics. and yeah. uh, Colors. And it shows. Because it's very bright, which was what you could do with digital colors. But it's also not a lot of blending or anything, not a lot of effects going on to it. So it's, like, one of the more most primitive versions of, like digital coloring happens here and for the most part she holds her own very well in the first one but you could see that after uh, frank miller loses his mind in the second issue that's when everything starts to go to hell also for varley and you know knowing that they were married at the time you can see how it might have been contentious because they didn't last very long as a couple after this one too so it's like we get into issue number two and i find that issue number two is one of the most uh historic like if you want to have one thing to take with you as like this is like a, a landmark in the turning point of a man's mental capacity yeah. and also his career that would be it and that's like the most interesting issue of this entire series for me almost of like all of frank miller's work altogether because when we get to issue number two that's when he draws the batmobile going straight through the uh lex lex corp <clears throat> And then we also start to see the rise of like a style of cartoonishness that pushes far beyond anything he had done before, uh, gets super abstract. We start to lose track of who the characters are. We start to lose track of the plot lines. He, he and then it's like, this is where he breaks. He loses a lot. Like, he does the... <clears throat> he, this is where he introduces a story plot that uh, Superman and Wonder Woman are a couple. And then mm -hmm. they have, like... There's, there's like three pages that were dedicated to them like essentially doing it and, and like slamming and into... like like slamming into the ocean and like breaking like glaciers apart and it's just like dude we get it that they're having super sex like let it go they're like, ruining entire continents with their passion which is which is really funny because like again the first issue you are spot on it has so many good things from like the ray palmer like uh rescue where he's trapped in a petri dish and then even like a little bit of humor with like how he gets transported to safety and like like um where she the carrie kelly tucks him because he's like microscopic to get and make sure that he gets out safe um the introduction of 
the, the world that they live in and how their news is done in the nude. Like, they have n- the nude news. So, mm-hmm. like, playing up to the fact that this <laughs> world has become so complacent that, like, almost kind of like idiocracy where, like, they watch shows where, like, it's just a bunch of nut shots. Yeah. So it's like they have to watch news. It has to be in the nude. It has to be something that just appeals to the lowest class well here, here's i, I kind of had a different interpretation of that one too because that's when we start seeing the rise of the super chicks that's after all well, like, the superheroes super chicks, have been sprung free the super chicks were in the second one this yeah. is this is just the the lens for like um when they did the uh in the first issue nude news mm-hmm. and they were introducing how the world was and oh yeah giving us the lens of that but it also showed that the world is at that point where it's like even news has to be entertainment because there's no real news because it's all being controlled by Lex and Brainiac. Yeah. So, like, I like that, and I thought that was a good build-off. And then, rather quickly, he shifts to issue two, where instead of providing us with these news, now we have, essentially, what is, like, a traveling, like, burlesque act becoming, like, media sensations. Yeah, and kind of going off of this, too, because I, I did like the idea that went into this. Like, yeah. I can see where he started with this. You got the complacent news where it's all just kind of, like, fed to you in entertainment-wise, and all of a sudden the heroes are sprung free. News is getting out that, like, hey, there's going to be an uprising. And this is before YouTube. This is before Twitch. This I, I, is before all these different things, social media. You brought it up Then all well. of a sudden, like, you see them kind of latch on to that and have, like, almost a groundswell uh, approach to it. Like, you had the Brotherhood of the Bat. Was it the Brotherhood of the Bat? Uh, Sons of Bat. Sons of the Bat. Where it's just like Batman's inspiring this new generation. That's all that Dark Knight series is about. Like all of them. Or Batman trying to inspire a new generation so he can step back and feel good about it. And all of a sudden like these other people are getting wind of it. And they're starting to put that into the lens of like media. And being like okay so we're now super chicks. We are visually siding with the superheroes. Even though we're still fucking naked. But we're still going to tell you the stuff that really matters. There's like an underground newspaper that's done through the lens of provocateur. Um, through uh, the lens of like super heroics, and even one of them gets arrested, and that causes like another big like because one within. of them starts to believe her own hype. It's like we have a responsibility to do what's right and to help these heroes, you know. And the other ones are like, I just want to get naked and get paid. It's yeah. really funny that technically speaking, uh, Frank Miller is responsible for the first social influencers. Like, yeah, the secret origin of these like what is later on to be like YouTube influencers. Like, he saw this whole thing coming, and he just did it. Like, again, there's so much to love about this, even yeah. though it, like, crumbles and falls. Like, it even has, like, a manga, manga inspired yeah, there's one like that, one, like, like, looks god-awful. There's, like, one... She's supposed to be the manga-influenced character. For, but, like, that manga set of people, which we all know are everywhere online. Yeah. But what's, what's really weird is she looks more like one of the things from, like, The Grudge or, like, one of those, like, horror movies... But just in a suit, like a very bright costume. But her, like the way she's drawn, if you just saw this character on a page, you'd be like, "Is that <laughs> get it away? You're like get it away? It's kill it with fire, all you know, right? Like it's making cats out. Burn it, burn it." <laughs> but then, uh, like we see the whole thing kind of progress with Batman, and like he's really not in it a lot again because this is a second generation story. Like Carrie Kelly's doing her thing, but it becomes a lot more of a Superman story, yeah. and I feel like. Frank Miller, all he had ever wanted to do was write Superman, <laughs> but he kept getting stuck as, like, the Batman guy. So, yeah. like, even this, even if you go back to uh, Dark Knight 3 and the Master Race, which I know Brian Azzarello wrote most of and was basically the driving force of it, that was very much a Superman story. Uh, when they get to uh, the Golden Child, that's very much a Superman, like, legacy story. Okay. Like, he's using all these Superman villains and stuff like that. Like, just let Frank Miller tell a fucking Superman story. I think they're worried that, like, he's going to come out with, like, I'm the fucking Superman. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, all of his... Because even the Superman in this book is, like, super dour and, like, way too emo. And, like, he... he well, he's he's got his, like, the last remaining part. Like, Lois had been... Uh, Metropolis had been raised, raised at this point. Yeah. Like... It's gone. I mean, like, I get that he's, he's a different Superman because he's like supplicant to this government that's a puppet government. He's like at his lowest. I get that, but it, it goes from like him being completely ineffectual and like essentially like completely broken and just a bitch to like turning around and like the undue animosity that he has towards Bruce. Like you're ruining everything, but my plan isn't working either. Like what's going on? So much so that when like Bruce finally has like a powwow. 
uh, in the third issue, he's just like, yep, he's gonna save us. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, that yeah. That also came out of nowhere. Do you like, trust him? Ugh. Yeah, about as far as I can throw that fat fucking bitch. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> he's he's due to the super punch. It's fine. <laughs> so it's like, we get this really disjointed story of like them kind of coming to amends yeah. and seeing like, okay, I trust Superman now. Like, Superman's going to take care of all this stuff. Like, and for the most part, Superman's the one fighting, Bra- fighting Brainiac, yeah. who at this point is just a frog. Yeah, I don't know a what... A giant space frog. I don't know what happened there. Like, it's... It's almost like he spent so much time investing in, like, what the heroes would be up to that he, like, forgot to do any research on the villains mm. at all. Because, like, Lex is just perpetual dude in his underwear. Yeah. And Brainiac is a frog. Like, it, it, it he no longer has a robot body. He just has the giant skull head. I guess that's what he was supposed to be riffing off the Brainiac head. But he gave it skin. And instead of making it look like a skull or Brainiac or like a very like, you know, Easter Island type face where it's just very stoic. He instead just rounded it out and it looks like a frog. Him and Lex Luthor are both drawn so weirdly that you only figure out who they are when people are like, there's Brainiac. That, I was like, oh, that's what... The- I didn't know what the hell that frog was at first, and then they mentioned his brain. I was like, first of all, that looks nothing like the Brainiac in the first issue, and that Brainiac didn't look anything like the Brainiac I know. I mean, it's not that hard. You draw a green dude, and you put the three little freaking circles, and you're yeah. done. Like, that's Brainiac. I don't care what... Like, that's that, it's like the easiest it's thing. It's a universal symbol for, like, cosmic evil. Yeah, like, that's it. You just do that, that those three little freaking circles with the lines, and just a generic face... Like, a, just a scowling face, and there's Brainiac. Instead, you turned it all round and weird, and it looked... It's like he was just pl- trying to play too much with, like, these designs, and it did not work. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of also see another uh, storyline kind of pop up in the background, and that was uh, Joker is going on a murder spree, and he's taking out the Plastic Man. Yep. <clears throat> Which I believe they freed the Plastic Man in the first one, or was it Plastic Man in, in, the, in the second, second one? Because so they, they free him. They introduce a uh, elongated man who's essentially a spokesman for his soda that makes people stretch, and then they use that to get the the really powerful one, which is Plastic Man. And it's kind of funny because there's like a l- brief little interlude between the two of them, and he's like, "You're not that good," and I'm like, "Dude, I have more power than you. Look, mm-hmm. can you do this? No. Okay, shut up. Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so then, uh, it introduces this character who's clearly supposed to be the Joker, and he's trying to take out the new heroes that are left. Yeah, so Joker, forget the fact that he twisted his own neck, right? Yeah. Like, he twisted his own neck to kill himself, but we, but you just know, so he could frame Batman for killing him. Every Batman story needs mm-hmm. a Joker. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this isn't the last time we're going to see a Joker even in the Dark Knight no. <laughs> universe. But this one seems like he's a shapeshifter because every time he shows up... He has a new costume. He has a new costume. And no matter what they throw at him or how they try to take him out, he comes back unfazed. And you said that he's kind of like in Volmer, almost like he's an Amazo type of character? Well, I, I guess we should just go to the spoilers. Um, it turns out that this Joker um, is actually... To, uh, surprise, surprise, Dick Grayson, who after um, Batman, you know, uh, disappeared and ran recluse, he was uh, captured, I guess, by the puppet government, yeah. and they turned him into an operative. But it was weird because the way they wrote this, and this is the part that I didn't get, it seemed like there was a falling out between uh, Bruce and Dick. Well, that was already established in The Dark Knight Returns. They also established that in The Last Crusade later on. Yeah, but they made but it seem like, instead of having just a fallout, like, a disagreement over principles... They Bat- just hated each other. Batman was just like, you, you're a pussy. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why the fuck I ever picked you. I raised you to not be a pussy. Why are you such a fucking puss? It's like, completely undoes everything in All-Star Batman where he saw all this potential in this kid. You mean when Batman tortured him? Yeah. <laughs> Made him eat rats. <laughs> he killed no. with a battle axe. He's like, I wish I'd never kidnapped you. Would he threaten to snap his fucking neck <laughs> at the end of issue number It's like, nine. I wish I'd never kidnapped you. I should have gone with option number two that Jason Todd got. <laughs> but, like, that's what it was. And it was just, like, this whole, like, the, the last big fight between Batman and his ward now turned supervillain. Um, because the U.S. government captured him and did some radical gene therapy where he has the ability to shapeshift. 
which also comes with an insane healing factor of like yeah. Wolverine level. Which, by the way, I don't think any of this is even uh, like explained in the comic. It's, it's just something we had to infer. Well, he he throws away the dialogue at the last, right in the last issue. Was that before Batman kicks him into a volcano? Pit? It's like, what happened to you? And he's like, where'd this volcano come from, Batman? Well, apparently the Batcave was built on top of a volcano. That was the logic. Is he Doctor Fucking Evil? Yes, that was actually it. He's like a self-destruct, and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna blow me up? Blowing me up doesn't work." He's like, "No, nah, that's that's where you're wrong." Blowing you up's your pussies. I'm not. I got some more badass for you. I'm not gonna blow you up. Stand on that X. Did you did you not know that this cave was built on top of a volcano? Because I'm fucking Batman. And so the whole cave lower like opens and lowers itself into the fucking volcano, and he's just like. That's not gonna kill me either. It's like I've been genetically enhanced, and like I can heal from anything. That's why, like, no matter what Carrie Kelly threw at him, he would just bounce back. Um, the shape shifting part—I don't know why he had to keep changing costumes. Yeah, because or why he kept, like, or why he kept changing into like Superman villains briefly, like he's fucking Mister Mixes Put like Mix a Pitalik or whatever. Like, why? Why that dude? Of all, like the he's costume. dressed like him right before he kills Plastic Man and Martian Manhunter, and I think the question too. Like, he just slaughters them, and then Carrie Kelly's the one that kind of breaks it. She's like, you're Dick Grayson, aren't you? Then all of a sudden, he morphs into Dick Grayson in, in the a Robin, Robin suit. suit. Then he yeah. looks, and he goes, ha! <laughs> it's like the happiest, like, he has goggles on. He's like, hi, what's up? <laughs> and then that's what kind of kicks off that one. So that's like the super anticlimactic end to, like, I guess you're wondering what the hell happened between All-Star Batman and Robin and Dark Knight Strikes Again. Apparently, like somewhere in between, he's just turned into a mazo and Halfway kicked into a through, fucking this, volcano. This turns into like a poor man's version of Batman Beyond: The Return of the Joker, except instead of Dick Grayson, it was Tim Drake, but it was the same fucking concept where the Joker just like captures Tim Drake and turns him into the Joker, mm. and then you find out years later that the Joker's been in him all along, and he's just like ah, but done so much worse. Yeah, so it was it was just. All sorts of just it, like... It, well, it, that was a plot point that went nowhere. Like, so he was only around to get... It made no sense to even be here. Yeah, like, he was there just to get rid of the extra heroes and then have a fight with the new protege. But, you know, you thought, like, the way they pointed out, like, this was going to be the end of uh, her, like, her thing. Because she went to, like, one of the characters who apparently had psychic powers and was borrowing the suit of Saturn Girl and said, like, you're going to die. Like, and it's it's going to get really bad for you. And then she finds out, like, this is why it's going to get bad and who this person is. And it was just, like, Batman having a tantrum. Like, he didn't... He's like, well, I can't beat up Superman anymore because we're friends now. I need <laughs> someone to talk shit about. There's my pussy of a ward. The fucking bitch beat me in beer pong. <laughs> now I'm supplicating to him for the rest of my fucking life. Like... To okay. clean his dishes. Like, th- this bitch. <laughs> it's like, all he wanted was my money. He's like a male gold digger. Yeah. Stupid bitch. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, me I'm cool and buy shit. But, yeah... So, I mean, I feel like this is almost like he kind of put in here as, like, I'm going to tease off, like, the next thing I want to do is a Dick Grayson story, which he did. The next thing he did was the Dick Grayson story, which we've already covered. We've already went there. But it was, like, almost like a teaser, like, yeah, this is what happens next. But then 9-11 happened, he's just like, (laughs) 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 strung out on drugs, just like, he's mixed a bit of like. (laughs) But, like, that was the weird thing, because, like, if you read this, you would want not to read anything that Miller writes that includes the words Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. Because he's just like, you little bitch, you think you were good? You're lucky I even picked you, you stupid bitch. That was, like, the entire dialogue as he's throwing this guy into a volcano. Yeah, and then as all this stuff is happening, too, like, we got Superman, Wonder Woman. We find out that he has a daughter, which I know you don't like Laura. I think Laura's, like, the best part of this. Like, Laura and Carrie are, like, my favorite parts of this entire thing. No, no, I actually, I didn't... I liked Laura. Um, I thought that the way they did the character, it kind of made sense after you read the third one. Because the first time, it's just, like, here's a crazy Kryptonian, which... I, ironically enough proof and she's like I'm a god why am I like doing fucking with all these humans and helping these humans out like, I mean I would have a god race dad I would have liked to see how they kept her hidden because it was kind of surprising that she had full control of her powers but no one ever spotted her or knew about her and Wonder Woman kept her quiet also what what did Lex do to Wonder Woman maybe threaten the Amazon island but like he kept her in tow too and that seems really weird and out of character for Wonder Woman other than, like, she got knocked up by Superman, and it's like, well, now I can't, because he's gonna kill my daughter. It's like, listen, I wish I could hang out. Like... I've got a kid But you now. basically learn that Superman is, like, the world's worst deadbeat dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, you have Laura, who I-, I didn't mind, but she had that air of superiority that proved Batman is, like, 
This is why I don't like fucking Kryptonians. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and then Batman, uh, Superman is just like, now, now. It's like, you have to go ahead and, like, respect them. You're not better than them. He's like, why? They just blackmailed you and treated you like shit and kept you, like, basically super neutered. And he's like, damn. Shut up, yeah. I'm your dad, that's why. <laughs> like, listen, give me a beer. Right. Like, give me a beer. Let me... I'm gonna fuck your mom over here on this glacier, then take out this battleship, then go straight into Mount Rushmore. <laughs> like, that is that you know, is so good. But like Laura, I, I, Laura's like a shining like I love what Frank Miller's trying to do with the legacy in, characters in the and third, build up the ground. And the third book is where you really find appreciation for the first couple of times. You just read it as the frame of like here's a character that it's has like all the this only power. thing that Frank Miller's like latching on to as like the the one thing that's keeping him stable throughout this whole thing is like every time characters. he writes the female characters yeah. which you know we can go into whether or not like Frank Miller's a misogynist or whatever I believe he's a misogynist but I believe his heart's in the right place and it shows time and time again because he does write some badass females Here, here's here's my thing and this is if, if you look at it and you could do a curve Frank Miller has like it's almost like a bell curve it's like up until a certain age he writes the characters really well. Once they reach a, like a certain age, let's call it like twenty five, whore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like oh my god, this woman's in power. Look at how strong she is. She owns her sexuality, whore. But even like, Wonder Woman, <laughs> like Wonder Woman is actually written really well too. Like you mean like a, a pissed off man in a, a skirt? She she is a goddess who knows what she wants and she will take what she wants and that's basically how she's so he wrote her like her male characters yeah that's perfect that's that the only perfect. yeah but that's the only time it works because when you're supposed to write a female like a female character whore <laughs> you're calling laura whore <laughs> No, no, we just established she was no, really no. cute. And awesome. She's on the other side of the bell curve. She hasn't reached the whore age. Okay, when she reached the whore so age, it's like, it's like Carrie out. See, he's he's already grooming Car- uh, Carrie Kelly because look, she's taking on the, the Catwoman role. I'm telling you, she hits that like 25, 30 mark. Whore. I think you've got it backwards, dude. I think you've got oh, it really? backwards. Oh really? Frank is. I would like to point out All Star Black Canary. All Star Black Canary. Bam. Here's the thing, though. If we're going back to All-Star Black Canary, yeah, she was a fangirl. She ended up banging Batman, but immediately after, she was just like, ooh, why did I do that? She had a self-realization where she's like, maybe I, I shouldn't idolize this I guy. I would like to point out that the Batman. series never ended. We don't know where that was going to go. But we have what we have. And yes, she <laughs> does bang the bat, but she feels bad about it afterwards. I'm, I'm just saying that you, you could... She doesn't idolize Batman after that. You could see the misogynistic tendencies that he has, and I think it's like... He's done it's like almost like an inner struggle with Frank. Like he, he does really well at developing the character, and then it's just like once you have a fully developed character, it's like I don't know what to do with her. She's a female. She's probably gonna bang somebody. That's it. Hey, everyone's got a bang. Yeah, but that, that's like that's all the character you bang, does. I bang. That's all the character does, though, and it's like you know they, they do more than that. I mean, they do do more than that. Like you, you see just, how many people Black Canary took out in that bar, like. Wonder Woman's first appearance, she's banging across, like, the world and breaking, like, glaciers. But that before was... that, she's just, like, punching Superman. They're, like, getting, like, they have fight sex, dudes. Yeah. Like, just like All-Star Batman and Robin. Like, this is, like, the first part where she's just, like... Also, a clear point... Punches him across the jaw and she's just like, now you fuck me like a Superman would fuck. Also, again, there's the misogyny. Because, like, all of his sex... Because, no, she is in power in that one. She's the one controlling I'm not say, that I'm situation. I'm not saying that, but like, notice there always there's a tinge of violence to all of his sex. Like, I'd be scared to sleep. With not all of his sex. Not Most. all of his sex. Most. No, I mean Wonder Woman specifically because yeah. she is an Amazonian and she was raised as a tough goddess. All right, and, and stuff then like the that. Batman and uh, Black Canary. Are we still going back fight? to Black Canary? You try again. They, they weren't fighting each other, but they were still. They were, they were fighting other people. They were like, hey, I'm turned on by this. Like, they couldn't even leave the crime scene. They did it in the middle of the crime scene. Then like, Batman, like, drops, a, like, a thousand dollars, and he's like, yeah, I'm a billionaire. Here you go. I'd like to point Take out, his, like, if there was... Give yourself an Uber. If there was any CSI in there, it's like, Bruce Wayne was here. How do you tell? Seaman. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over the scene. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> it's, the bat signal really is just a black light that they take to a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it's etched out like a bat. <laughs> it's just semen. It's just a black light they aim at the sky and are like somehow he jizzed up there too. I don't 
don't know, man. <laughs> God, I, you know, I just had a scary thought. What if Frank Miller ever wrote Norman Osborn? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> woo! <laughs> Mind blown. He would probably draw him like Lex Luthor, and I would hate Frank Miller forever because Norman Osborn is a man who should not be touched by anyone except for every woman in the Marvel universe, Gwen Stacy included. <laughs> Yeah. Now let's get back to the Dark Knight Strikes again. <laughs> Where the fuck did we leave off? <laughs> We're talking about Laura. We're talking about Laura. <coughs> what happens with Laura? Um, she's introduced. She finally gets to meet her, her deadbeat super dad who went out for a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> it just never came back. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're still thinking of the bat signal? <laughs> so, um, no, her... Um, her dad had to keep her heritage from her, um, so that Lex Luthor and Brainiac couldn't do what they were doing with Kandor and keep, and use her as leverage against Superman. So, I'm assuming that whatever deal, uh, Wonder Woman worked out, she kept her on the island and that's where she trained her. So that's how she had her powers, but she never made contact with the world. So that's why she had that very elitist attitude, Mm -hmm. because she comes from a realm where, like, I'm assuming... Which is very where, su- superior, yeah. which, again, goes with the Wonder Woman characterization. That's how yeah. the Amazonians rolled. And that's how she would raise her daughter. And then to have her be like, uh, meet her dad, and dad's like, we don't do things like this. It's like, well, why not? Well, because, you know, they need our protection. Why do they need our protection? We're stronger than them. Why don't we just run things? You, you know we do a better job, and it's like, that's just not our way. So, like, this is Superman sounding like Superman, uh, but again, from a very defeated angle, because the reason he's doing that is because he's not telling her that Kandor um, exists, essentially, and that he's the reason he's so subservient to them is because of the fact that they threatened to kill the last vestiges of like his home planet. Um, and she finds out about it. Um, he has an interaction with Batman, which is actually really smart. Batman sets up like a signal and like a hologram that only. It, uh, he and her can hear like at that Kryptonian frequency and he's just like punk bitch <laughs> like that, that's literally what it reads like he just you hide from me bitch it just shows up he's like oh my like the asshole but I gave you wasn't enough See that bad signal means I'm DTF <laughs> you don't <laughs> <dead> consent <laughs> it's like so he's like so I'm back here again first I beat you up like physically now I'm gonna beat you up Ethically, like, like, and he's just like, was he a beat poet that he turned into common? <laughs> like, like, no, like, like for real, he's just like, he just came out and he's like, what? I was like, why are you such a bitch, yo? Like, I beat you, but you're still doing what they said. Like, didn't I knock enough sense into you? And he's like, you don't understand. They have something over me, and it's like, well, Lois is dead. Let me guess, Candor. And he's like, damn, how'd you know? Because I'm fucking Batman. <laughs> and he's like, look, don't worry, we'll, we'll get that taken care of. You just stop being a little bitch. And then it's like, Superman's just like, I can stop being a little bitch. And then, like, Laura's Maybe like, I will stop being a little bitch. And Laura's like, who the fuck is this old man talking to you? Like, yeah. Father Christmas over here. And he's like, shh, it's fucking Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Show some respect. And, like, and then, like... Years he, from now, they would tell of his epic tales <laughs> about how he did a keg stand <laughs> for 19 hours straight. <laughs> Batman is the most interesting man in the world. He, <laughs> yeah. He's the lost sponsor of Dos Equis. Batman's last words to Superman were, Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> so that's the whole Laura thing was that uh, she interacts with both Batman and Bruce and finds out about her missing relatives that are trapped in this, um, in this thing. And then using the other superheroes, the Atom, she's able to go ahead... And uh, take the fight directly to Brainiac, or Frogiac, as we've come to know yeah, him. Kermit the Brain. Kermit the Brain. <laughs> and he's just like, you're one Kryptonian. Even though you're new and you're stronger than your dad, you think you can beat me? It's like, it would take, like, ten of you to even, like, de- make a dent in me. And he's like, oh, ten. All right, we've got a million. And so, like, yeah. all of a sudden, the, the heroes, um, the Atom gets the all the... Um, Kandorians out of the bottle and they all come flying out and uh, it was actually really cool where she's like uh, you need to get in my eye and he's like which that's the only part that it was cool but I also didn't understand it it was like get in my eye why things are about to get really hot in here I was like but wouldn't the heat vision come from your eye like wouldn't anywhere else be safer but um, uh, Adam hops into one of the Kryptonians and then they all like blast 
Lauren, and she uses, like, absorbs their heat and blasts it back at Brainiac. Because she, like, absorbs energy. Yeah, and just plows, like, a hole through him and demolishes him, bringing down the, uh, you know, Brainiac once and for all. Um, And then I think that also leads to the other hero, uh, the other villain getting his comeuppance, which was uh, Lex Luthor. And I I was wrong, because I said before, we didn't really get to see. There was one thing that Lex Luthor had, besides running this puppet government, he also had control to all of the satellites, the LexCore satellites. And at any given point, if holding Candor wasn't hostage enough, he could basically kill anyone on the planet by quite simply just turning on the satellites. Is that what him. Green Lantern was doing? Yes, that's literally... I had no idea what Green Lantern was okay, doing in this. so... Well, amongst all the heroes that we meet, Green Lantern comes back. So it's kind of like he's reassembling the Justice like, yeah, League. Yeah, the Justice League is coming back together. This is big time, like... And Frank Miller even said, like, before this even came out, I want to show, like, a world that's without heroes and how the world would rally when heroes come back together. Although nobody really even knew that Green Lantern came back except for Batman, because this is all part of his plan. Somehow, Batman reached out to Green Lantern, who at this point has transformed his body into pure will energy, so he's just one with the lantern, and he's living, I'm assuming, on some other planet with an energy, be- like, wife and, like, little kids, so he's living his life, but he gets a notice that his planet needs him. And this was after um, Lex set up all these satellites and was like, if you do anything, we'll turn them on and kill them, and then soup- and we'll stick Superman on you. So, like, Green Lantern was like, screw it, I'm out, I'm done with this. You want the planet, it's yours. I've got other planets in my sector to take care of. And he bounces. So he finally comes back, and he uses all of his power, and he turns himself into, like, a giant Green Lantern, and he cups the planet Earth, and just basically does away with all the satellites. Now, you see him cupping the Earth, but you don't really see any of the satellites, because I figure that's artwork that he just didn't want to do. So, like, all of that was done by exposition. And didn't Green Lantern get his arm cut <laughs> off in this one, too? <clears> hmm. <throat> Um, his hand gets like <clears throat> now I, I can't I don't no because it was in Master Race that's when he finds his ring back yeah but I believe in this one like it's a really good scene I remember being super impressed with it or Green Lantern gets his arm severed and his like ring hand goes flying away uh, I think that was still in Master Race because in this one he really no did. because Master Race the first time you see him is when he's in the desert and he finds his power ring again which is still attached to his hand and then he has like the detached hand that's going around blasting everybody but uh, maybe I'm getting my stories mixed I, up I think you are maybe because, I'm not because in this one all he because what's happening is um, yeah see look this is the last time you see him he comes in he cups the earth because he's made a, he doesn't need a ring in this one he's pure energy mm-hmm. at this one he cups the earth and he protects it from all of the like, the stuff that's out there. All right, let me see this real quick. And then Let's scroll down just a little further. All yeah. right, so Hawkman and Hawkgirl come back yeah, in. Yeah, that was it. He actually no one knows exactly why because I think they're just reinforcements. That's not. It wasn't Hawkgirl and Hawk. It was the son of Hawkman. It was the son of Hawkman. Yeah. Hmm. Did you ever read this? <laughs> no, I did, but I read like all the Frank Miller stuff back to back. Yeah, because so, so like it kind of this got together. me on a big time kick. Maybe it was in the next one that no, he has arm it, blown he, off. He gets in the next one because what happens in this one? Maybe it was one of the back backups for uh, the Master Race that Frank Miller. Because what what happens on this one is for the Green Lantern, he comes back out and um, as I said, he's made of pure energy and he basically saves the Earth. He like captures the Earth and. Well, it looks like a mini-Earth. I don't know why. I'm, I'm guessing that was supposed to be the moon. Yeah, and it's like almost... Frank is starting to get his drawing back a yeah. little bit, like, towards the end of this. Like, you, you see, start seeing it make more sense. Yeah. It's, like, less scattered, but it's still not quite up to snuff to but, where he is. But what's really funny is this is juxtaposed with Batman having been captured by Lex Luthor uh, in a really weird twist where he just, like, he tried to fight Luthor, and Luthor was just like, bitch, and, like, put, put, like, the hurt on him. And then he's just like... You know, you pissed me off one too many times. I don't even care that we lost, like, the, the president and that everyone knows that he's not real. I'm going to blow up this freaking, like, I'm going to blow up everyone that you've ever cared about. All the heroes are going to be gone. I'm going to turn the satellites on. And, like, you know, you think you've seen power, wait till it. And Batman's just sitting there and it's like, go ahead, bitch. <laughs> and he's like, why isn't it working? Why aren't, like, people dead? And he's just like... I planned for that. And then he, like, I'm assuming he explains, like, Green Lantern has saved everyone. 
because somehow he's in connection with Green Lantern. Yeah, I couldn't. I, and now that everything that you say is really making a lot more sense to me, because I, I, Green Lantern, I knew was a major part of this. But like, it's because weird. he's basically saving the Earth. But, but it, I still had no idea why he was. But saving it's the weird Earth. that he has no like connection with Batman. But yet, Batman knows everything that's going on to the second, and then it's just like, like he's just sitting there, like sipping tea, and the Flash pops up behind him. Like, Batman is sipping tea, and the Flash pops up behind him. Yeah, and Flash is reading the newspaper, which is a really good exchange, too. Yeah, and it's just like, it's like, but I beat you, and, and you just sit there and took it. Why? He's like, I just wanted to see your face when everything yeah. went to shit. Be- that's right, because Lex Luthor is beating the fuck out of Batman. After, by the way, we skipped over this part, too. Batman cut a Z in Lex Luthor's face like the Mark of Zorro. Yeah. Like, throwback to Batman Year One when he did that. So it's like... This does have a satisfying conclusion. And then, well... It has an amazing opener, yeah. and then a lot of stuff in between that does not work. So, uh, we're, we're actually running into almost an hour right now. Oh, <laughs> Just talking about this. Yeah. So, we kind of want to wrap it up pretty soon, but... Long story short, is Dark Knight Strikes Again a story that you really should take a second look at? I think so. Um, I mean, if you look at the first and the third issue, you see the strengths in it. It's really the second issue that comes out as the weakest because it's when he starts ramping up the ideas of, like, this is what happens when the heroes return. But he writes it. For starters, one of the things I didn't like, um, the Super Chick storyline, while it was good, went on too much. And a good much. idea. It was a good idea, but then it was like, he also threw in not just the Super Chicks, but then, like, random news sources. Mm. So it would be like, essentially, if you were thinking of this like a play, they were the course. Yeah. They were the muses. And the thing is... They went on too much. You could have just kept it with the super chicks and, like, one or two people's responses to the super chicks and been fine. But then it was, like, there were, like, panels where it was just, like, so are you guys going to get naked again or what? Like, and that just kept coming back. And then it would be, like... It was the same joke over and over again. And it would be, like, some dude talking, like, the economy and stuff. And I get that that was a reference for what else was going on. But, you know, it really just bogged down and, like, stalled the story a bit. For me, this is an absolute <clears throat> recommend. Like, I can't recommend this enough. And uh, it's, like, if we're talking bad comics and how we love bad comics, like, yeah. uh, like this starts off on the strongest foot any comic could start off on. Like, this first issue is, like, it has its faults. But it's, it's a good first issue. <clears throat> but it sets everything up. It's getting the band back together. It has a really good confrontation between Batman and Superman. And then, like, we see, like, the key issue for this one is number two. Like, number two is, like... As I said before, one of the most interesting comics that has like ever been published, because we can see just how someone just breaks, because it goes from really good art, kind of consistent with the first issue, and then it just dips off into cartoonish, like, and it makes so much sense that he was on drugs and he was dealing with PTSD had and a the lot of marriage issues. Got weird. The coloring got so far off. It's like there was nothing coherent about this story, and that makes it just like a relic. And this is something that should be just like place in the box and put in a museum of just like this is this is what happens when humanity breaks yeah like this is exactly what it looks like so <clears throat> long story short dark knight strikes again numbers one through three uh you don't have to have the entire set if you just want to see how it goes just number two is my key issue but it starts off strong and the last like interaction of three see- is strong also. I was going to say, one and three, if you're looking at it for the... Well, three also has that really stupid Joker showdown and yeah, everything. I mean... There's... A lot of really bad plot points do resolve in that one, but when the Green Lantern comes back and but they it have also, that resolution with Kandor and Laura... It also sets up Laura. for the Master Race and everything yeah. thereafter. So, I mean, one and three are definitely the key points <clears throat> for the storyline, both the setup and the conclusion. But two is... That's, that's is, the Golden Colonel. It's definitely the Golden Colonel where you get to see just how far off the mark Frank Miller fell. Yeah. And it sucks because, like, looking at it now with everything, introducing, like, the son of Hawkman and all that, like, given given another shot to do this again with probably a slightly better artist, I feel... Well, or Klaus Jansen doing inks. Yeah. At the very least, Klaus Jansen to kind of rein, rein him in a bit. Yeah. I, I feel like this would have had some, like, epic visuals, a great storyline. Like, if he did to this what he did following this, having, like, Brian Azzarello filter it, I think this would have been a concisely perfect story. It just got boggled down by, like, the demons that he was fighting. Yeah. And you'd see it at its peak in two, where literally things look like a bad acid trip. Mm. All right, guys. So that wraps up our... 
Uh, Dark Knight Strikes again. Frankie at the bat, or Frankie breaks the bat. We're going to see which one <laughs> sticks. I don't know. We do the next one. He ditches the bat altogether. He's like, I don't need a fucking bat. I'll fix things. I'm the fucking fixer. Yeah. So he's like, uh, he goes to follow up something with um, uh, Dark Knight Strikes again, and he tries to do, uh, still riding off of like the energy and the hate and the resentment and stuff from 9-11. He goes to create another one, uh, and it's developed as a Batman story for a very long time, but then DC and him both to come to this agreement like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So next time we come back, we're going to be talking Holy Terror, which is a graphic novel released by uh, Dark Horse uh, that just had him... And I can't exactly remember who did the, the colors for that one, but we're going to talk about it later. Now, normally we get into our recommendations about now, but we're actually going to be spinning that off into a separate one called Burn Ointment. So I want you guys to tune in just a few days. We're going to have our Burn Ointment for this episode. We're going to talk about if you like this one, but you want something that's actually better. Yeah. than this one and actually has quality to it then we're going to give you some of the recommendations that we have so you can go ahead and hit up your local comic shop our local comic shop of course is Cloak and Dagger Comics yep. uh, you can go in and see us in Ormond Beach uh, I'm there almost every single Wednesday if not then any other days right there but I do like to have my pick of the new stuff on the racks um, so if you see me in there go ahead and give me a shout out and hopefully soon we'll have some things in there that you can actually see and interact with us and stuff like that so in the meantime my name is Nick. My name is Bruno. And tune in for Burn Ointment, and in one week, we'll be talking about Holy Terror. Good night! And Feliz Navidad. <laughs>